Yeah, the revelations now televised. Uh, a platform for you and I. And now look with full heart and clear eyes. Now, these are just my thoughts. Truth on how I feel with these topics I reveal. Please know my toll, I always keep it real. Can't face the world if you can't face facts. For your time, just open up your mind. That's it, just live, think big. Now take that. With God in me, this here was made by design. Yeah, the revelation will be televised. Revelations. Welcome back to the Rebelizations Podcast. It's your boy Rev. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on all the social media platforms. That is at the Rebelizations Podcast. That is on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So today, you are going to learn a little bit about me. There's going to be part one and part two, where my friend, I call her my friend, but I don't necessarily know because I keep asking her to come on my podcast as a guest. And her and I just have a conversation because she's one of the most intelligent people I know, very hardworking. But today she's going to interview me. Um, I know it's going to be part one and part two because me and her talk a lot and I know this thing is going to go long. It just does all the time. So this will be part one of a two-part interview where you will learn a little bit about me uh, and all of my quirks and, and things. I don't necessarily know what she's going to ask. So it's going to be rapid fire. So sit back and relax and enjoy the show. This will be a little lighter, not some of the heavier topics that I discuss, but I still think you will enjoy it. Share this with somebody else. If you're on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, like, and drop a comment. Let's get to it, learning about Rev on the Rebelization Podcast. All right, folks. As I said, I have my very good friend, one of my best friends in the whole wide world on the show with me. Her name is Katie. Hello, Katie. Welcome to the Rebelizations Podcast. Hi. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm going to get on you a little bit. I've been trying to get you on not just this podcast, but other podcasts that I have, the Black Minds Matter podcast with Matt for years. And my lovely friend here has denied me access, but I finally got her. So I'm really happy about this. But as I said in the intro, this will be a little odd, but that's what the Revelations podcast is about. It's about stretching, growing, trying things for the first time. So even though Katie is here with me live and in the flesh that you all can see, um, we're going to talk about me. And then I'm going to convince her to actually come on and You'll find out how fantastic she is. Uh, one of the most brilliant people I know. Um, yeah, that's not even a question, not even a debate. Anyway, so we're going to do some rapid fire questions, I guess. You're going to ask me some things so the folks can get to know me. Yep, that's how it's going to be. Some are rapid fire. Some might be a little bit more in depth. Fair. And I don't know any of these questions. I can promise you that. She did text me and say, do you want to know some of the questions? I'm like, nope. So shock me. So fire away. All right, great. We'll jump right in. I'm going to start with communications for you, just because this is a uh, a big topic that we talk about on a regular basis. Uh -oh. But for as long as I've known you, we started texting. That was sort of how we started communicating. Yes. Then we moved to, I don't even remember what that talk box, what was the second platform? Oh, yes, it was. Rowback. <laughs> and then we moved to Marco Polo. So yes. you are a, you are that kind of friend that's like, I'll do anything for you, but I will not answer a phone call for you. Yes. And, and yet you're on all of these platforms. You were the first to talk box. You were probably one of, if, if Marco Polo were to go through their users, you have to be one of the early adopters of Marco Polo. That is true. So I'm going to ask you what, why those forms of communication one and two, what do you think makes you such an early adopter? Um, well, the early adopter piece I can ask, I don't, 
I don't scare easily. I'm willing to try new things. And that is actually a revelation of something that that I had to work on. I've, I've always been risk averse, but trying new apps and things doesn't necessarily scare me because there's no risk involved. And I must admit, a part of the reason why I'm one of the first to do those things is because I will do anything to not talk on the phone to any human being ever. I do not. <laughs> I do not like talking on the phone. I do not. I do not. I don't. Um, I've been trying to figure out why. I, I know the that WhatsApp and TalkBox and all these different platforms where I can use my voice to talk and even video to talk. I, I like them better because mm, I got to be honest with the people. I get to control when the conversation is, is is happening. I get to control when I reply. I get to control when I receive the information from you or anybody else. But on a phone call, I'm sort of stuck. I have to talk to this person at this time. They called me, we are on the phone. So if you love Rev, text me, Marco Polo me, WhatsApp me, send me a voice note, do not call me. Now, I have somebody who is very important to me somebody I love very dearly. He does not get the memo. He calls me. I love my cousin. I do. I do. But you know what? God always has one person that's going to be a thorn in the flesh. <laughs> so there you go. Yep, absolutely. So the other great thing that I know that comes along with Marco Polo, I don't remember if TalkBox had it, uh, is the ability to listen slash watch in two times speed. So I know you and I both operate this way, yes. but what is it about your mind working at two times speed and your need to listen to things and to have people talk at two times speed? I'm the most impatient person in the world. We like, that's why you're laughing because you know that I am the most impatient person God has ever created in the history of humankind. So everything should be in two times speed. If you are communicating with me, um, and you know what? I'm guessing you'll have a question about how I want questions presented to me and how I answer questions just because I know how your brain works. But yeah, but yeah um, I, I want to get straight to the point. I don't like the fluff. So when I'm listening to something, be it your messages, be it messages from other people, I want it to come to me as fast as possible. So um, but I don't really know the reason. For that, I don't know what I'm rushing to. Um, it's like I'm in a hurry to go nowhere, which my mother used to tell me, boy, you're always in a hurry to go nowhere. You're not going anywhere. You're just in a hurry to do it. Um, but yeah, two times speed. I listen to everything on YouTube and two times speed. Um, all my podcast. I've even I cannot listen to music in two times speed, but I have watched a movie on one and a half times speed. And you, Katie? I cannot listen to your Marco Polos on two times speed. It has to be one and a half times speed because you talk too fast. I find the same with you in many ways that I, I want <laughs> yes. to say, all right, slow it down. I got I yes. to tone him down, tone him down a little bit. Yes. All right. So now thinking about some things that you say, things mm -hmm. that you have been known to say, uh, let's talk about some revelisms. Yes. There's you a know, list, for a, right? There's a list. Yes, I pulled out the list. Now it's it's shorter than what I thought it was going to be. Okay. Um, and some of them were just cultural things that I didn't necessarily know that you introduced me to, which again, we've talked sure. about in potentially other episodes. Uh, but we're going to run through a couple of them here. Okay. It's like trying to do a 180 in a tugboat. 
Yeah. So that trying to turn around the tugboat 180. Um, well, a lot of people first say things like, I did a 360 and I'm really annoyed with cliches that don't make sense because a 360 means you're in the same place that you started, right? And you're, right back as well. you're like, like the cliche thing is that so a tugboat is this really large boat. It's really hard to turn that thing around. So, you know, trying to change somebody, like trying to make me be more patient. I, like, why would you do that? I'm just going to be impatient, right? Why would anybody do that? Trying to make me impatient is like trying to do a 180 in a tugboat. It's going to take a really long time and a lot of energy and effort, and it's probably not going to be worth it. So that's what that means. It, it, it means it's going to be a grueling process to change something. And you should probably just accept it. So once the tugboat is going that way, just let it go. Changing it is going to be more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> you don't believe the fat meat's greasy? See, this is one of those cultural things. It is. I know. This one is for sure. <laughs> every Black person, <laughs> and I mean every, every <laughs> Black people, hold on. If you heard Katie say, you don't believe that fat meat's greasy, if you don't know what that means, write me. And tell me you don't know what it means. Because I don't I don't believe there's a black human being, uh, African-American, who, who doesn't know what that means. It means that you don't believe what I'm telling you is true, right? Like meat, especially with a lot of fat, it makes a lot of grease. And it's proven to make a lot of grease. And I'm telling you it's making a lot of grease. But you still don't believe me. So then you go get the fat meat, you cook it, and you know, oh my God, there's a lot of grease. Well, you didn't believe the fat meat's grease. That's what it is, a cultural thing. Again, every Black person knows what that means. Yep. Uh, same with this one, I believe. Hardhead makes soft. Yeah. Well, see, I don't know. I think if I said it to a Black person, they would know what it means, but I don't think they've ever used it. I think it's one of those where you, you know how sometimes you know something, but you don't know you know it until it's said? Story behind this one. My mom said that to me. See? A hard a hard head meaning you're not obeying makes a soft. She didn't say butt or tail. She said the A word. And whenever my mom cussed, which she rarely did, you know, like to stop playing. So story. I was at church. Um, we used to take the church bus because we were broke and didn't have a car. And my mom was like, hey, we're getting on the church bus and, you know, be at the front door now or whatever. She was going to collect the rest of her children. I decided to do something else. Um, and she left me and she told one of the sisters of the church to tell Timothy to walk home. And if he got a ride from somebody else, he would be in trouble. Well, I don't like getting whoopings. So I walked, I'm like, eleven. I walked like five miles home, like seriously. And when I got home, mom, why'd you leave me? And she said, you know, well, one, you don't believe the fat meat's greasy and a hard <laughs> head makes a soft butt every time. And the only reason I did not get a whooping that day for being disobedient was because we had people over for dinner after church and look at God protecting. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's exactly what that was. I was going to get the skin beat off of me. You hear me? But yeah, for disobeying after walking yeah. five miles. Yes. That's a story I have never heard before. I don't think well, that is the truth. I, and, you know, that's yeah. my mama. So I'm not going to I mean, she, mm -hmm. she's with the Lord. I'm not going to say anything against the lady. That is the truth. Yeah. That Birdie doesn't mess around at all. Nope. Mm -mm. OK. All right. And my latest favorite, and I know it's a new one. OK. Is co confident as Mayo. 
which I know um, you've talked about here on this podcast. Yes, confident as mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is disgusting. Do you agree? So disgusting, terrible, awful. So now we have to pause for a minute. We have a white person that's saying mayonnaise is disgusting, and that's not normal. Like, white people love mayonnaise. <laughs> like, I do not claim all my people. <laughs> right, right. And, and there, there are some cultural things that I don't like, you know, um, you know, black eyed peas and some other things, chitlins and things that are associated with black people. I don't like it. So you're a white person that doesn't like mayonnaise. But mayonnaise is disgusting. Um, but Hellman's does not care uh, that mayonnaise is disgusting. They sell their product anyway. Mayonnaise is confident. I mean, if, if, honestly, if you ask most people, I think it's a 50-50 split. Like people like, and, and there's no mayonnaise is okay. People either love it or they loathe it, right? Like mm-hmm. you and I, they, they really hate it. But even though people hate it, Hellman's is still making, and I forget the number I said on the on the podcast, I looked it up, mil, hundreds of millions of dollars per year, even though half the world or you know half the people hate it. They're confident anyway. They're like, look, we're going to keep putting out this product. Doesn't matter if people hate it. And I think confidence is a thing that is easily shaken. Uh, our confidence as just humans is easily shaken. We live in this very critical world and we need to be as confident as mayonnaise. And even though half the people may not like us, there's somebody out there that likes us. And, um, you know, just just market yourself to those who do. Stop worrying about the people that don't like you and worry about the people that do like you. So be yep. as confident as mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is gross. <laughs> Perfect. It is. I agree. I'm not going to argue with you. It is not at all. Uh, But you gave me kind of a perfect lead in then to my next topic uh, regarding confidence here that you just talked about. So you are a big fan of personal growth. You have been for as long as I've known you. Yes. Um, Yes. Everything that you do, constantly looking to improve, think about how you can do things differently, how you can learn something new, uh, be better. It's constant for you. So what? is a habit right now that you're trying to start and what's a habit that you're trying to quit? Um, I want to embarrass myself and you know, one of the habits that I have and you know, which one I'm going to talk about. I bite my fingernails and this is the most disgusting thing in the world. It's disgusting on two, ha- on, on, on two fronts. It's disgusting for me because I'm putting my hands in my mouth, but it's disgusting for you because I shake your hand. There you go. So everybody has my <laughs> spit and saliva on their hands. But um, but yeah, I I have done that. Uh, I don't know if I told you the story of that as well, but um, I got that from my brother, Chef Rowdy Rob. He used to bite his fingernails, and you know, younger brother. I wanted to be. I didn't want to be like my older brother. I wanted to be my older brother. There's a difference to be like and to be. I wanted to be him, and this is one of the habits now. We, we know he had many habits. I didn't pick those up. Just this one was never able to, never able to stop that one. So, so that's the habit that I wish I could stop. And what was the other one? What was the other part of the question? What's a habit you want to start? Hmm. A habit I want to start. Do you act? I want to start the habit of being patient, but here's the problem with that. I don't pray for patience. You know why? Because God is going to give me things that will try my patience. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> See, the only way you know you're patient if things are there to try your patience. Does that mm-hmm. uh-uh, no? Mm-mm. So yeah, you're not ready often, to make that big prayer yet. Yeah. So often the in the like ideological sphere of my life, I want to be a patient person. 
But then I'm like, nah, because then everything is slow and there's no more two times speed and that <laughs> doesn't really work for my life. So uh, something I want to I, I want to start doing, um, I want to be better at saving in general. I'm, I'm better because of you. Thanks to you. I'm so much better at saving, saving money, but I want to be even better at that. That's I want to live a habit of saving, if I can be honest. Um, but I've talked about this on the Black Minds Matter podcast, which you have never come on, even though you've been invited. Um, you know, when mama and daddy and grandmama and granddaddy doesn't know a lot about finances, then it's hard to, you know, pass that generational knowledge down. And thanks to you and thanks to some other friends that I've met along the way, I'm starting to have that um, that financial generational knowledge. And, and hopefully I can incorporate incorporate that more in my life. So there you go. It's a good habit to have. Yes. Good. All right. So one of the things that you, I, I know, do as it pertains to habits and just more broadly personal growth mm-hmm. are your mini wins or said Timothy's way, your many wins. <laughs> Look, <laughs> what is the difference between mini and mini? M-A-N-Y, M-I-N-I. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. Mini and many. <laughs> okay. Whatever. <laughs> many wins, many wins. Yes, go ahead. Many wins, many, many wins and many wins, however you want to say it. Um, you've talked about those, I, I think, even really recently on the Black Minds Matter mm-hmm. podcast and what they are and really where it, where they came from. Um, so if you could just give kind of a high level synopsis of, of what they are. But really, my question is, how do you feel that those have changed you? Because you've been oh. doing them for a couple of years now. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question. Um, and thank you for that. So how it came about that I want to go back as a historian, I want to go, I actually found that on LinkedIn, I cannot give the man credit because I don't know his name. Um, but it was somebody that I don't even think I was linked to. Do you follow people on LinkedIn? Do you, no, you connect, you connect with some people and you follow others. So I was connected to somebody who was connected to this guy. This guy would, and they reposted his post again, social media, whatever people. So, and I saw many wins and it was, you know, this is a confidence builder. You can do these small things every day um, and it will build, will build your confidence. So I began to do that. And though I don't necessarily write them out today anymore, I, it became a habit. I do think about the many wins, like these small things that I can win during the day, these small goals or accomplishments. So, you know, if, if I want to, live a fitness lifestyle, for example. Um, My ultimate goal would be the fitness lifestyle, but my many wins would lead to that because when we're looking at a goal, it's daunting to see the end. But if we can do these small steps along the way, so that's what it's about. And it's helped me a lot. It's helped me um, become more confident as Mayo because look at all the things that I accomplished today. It's also allowed me to and you and I have talked about this before. You sent me a podcast on this. Give myself grace. But really what I mean by that is not be so hard on myself when I fail at something or I don't accomplish one of the smaller wins because I can always put that in tomorrow's wins and I can go back and look at how many of the smaller wins that I've had in a row. And I'm like, hey, I've done 30 of these things in a row. Okay, I missed 31, but I can still go back. And when I was writing them down every day, it was keeping a record as well, uh, keeping a record of the thing. So it, it was a it was a good motivator because during the time where I started that, 
Um, it was it was some dark times, dark times in life. Lost a lot of people. People walk out of my life. People died. And uh, yeah, so that that was a that was a helper, and it's good. It's a good habit to have. So people out there, pick three things you're going to do tomorrow um, that you can win. It could be something as simple as uh, I'm going to read ten pages in a book to something like I'm going to say I love you to three people, uh, something like that. And do three of those things and record it and see how you do at the end of the day and try to do something like that every day and see how it'll change your life because it will. Yep. Good, good. Um, you talked a little bit a, a minute ago about Rob and how you wanted to be Rob, your brother. Yes. <laughs> yes. You don't drink. You don't Never. use any form of substance, nor have you ever. Never. And I, I can understand that now. Mm -hmm. at our certainly at our age now but how did you not start especially with older mm -hmm. siblings your friends peer pressure talk to the kids now tell them how did you not start when you were in high school or college or in your 20s or whatever um so a part of the a part of the problem I had so I am really good with teenagers especially teenage boys because they go through a lot of things that I understand but when it comes to substance abuse that's I I understand it conceptually, but I cannot relate to it. And the reason I cannot relate to it, which is which answers your question, is because peer pressure does not work on me. And that is the thing. That's like my superpower of all superpowers. I really don't care what everybody else does. I'm just going to do what I do. Now, why doesn't peer pressure work on me? This will get back to my brother and my sister. These are the most pressuring human beings of all time. When I left the house and got around my friends and they talked bad about me because I wasn't cool, it was nothing like what I was suffering at home. My brother and my <laughs> sister were relentless. They were horrible. Now, I love these people to death, two of my favorite human beings ever, but they were terrible. I can't even repeat. It literally would not be like politically correct for me to repeat some of the names they called me because I wasn't participating in things that typical middle school and high school kids participate in. Like it was, it was bad. And I was like, well, I was able to survive that. A lot of that had to do with mom and dad who always encouraged me that you're fine the way that you are. So I was getting it at home and it was almost like, you know, if I could take this, you know, uh, peer pressure and abuse, like, <laughs> like at home, then, then none of you on the outside. And, and ultimately I, I think what happened, um, and, and, and what was really cool and, and things that I just have in my heart is that my brother, uh, he actually told me, he was like, man, I'm just messing with you. I'm actually happy you don't do these things and I don't want you to do these things. So then I start wearing it like a badge of honor. It's like, wait a minute, if Rob says I'm cool, then the rest of you, like, 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 it doesn't matter what you say. So it was like a grooming. It was a um, tough love situation, but then that turned into something that that um, I am proud of. And I'll be honest, I've never really even been tempted. It doesn't, it doesn't impress me. I was talking to a lady at work today about that. And I said, I'm about as tempted to drink alcohol or do drugs as I am of licking a toilet. And there's no temptation there. And I know that's wild, but that's how tempted I am to do drugs and alcohol. And I do give that honor to God uh, I, for, for blessing me never to have that taste or that desire. So some of it, I think, probably took, well, I don't think it takes discipline now, to your point. No. Um, I think there was probably some discipline that was involved when you were younger and around that, maybe. Yeah. But 
generally you're an incredibly disciplined person from the gym to your education to Duolingo, where you regularly are kicking my butt. You're just disciplined in whatever growth you want to do. So what advice would you give to somebody or what advice have you given to somebody? I should ask when they ask you about discipline and how you're so disciplined, because I think to some extent it might come naturally to you. So a part of my, it, uh, my other superpower. So I'm a, I'm a mutant. I have two superpowers. Peer pressure doesn't work on me and I'm very consistent and the discipline comes in consistent. And the consistency is this, I don't get bored. So I can do the same thing a thousand times in a row and it doesn't bore me. I like what I like. And, and I pretty much like the same things my entire life. You know what I'm doing on Sundays during the fall? It, like, like, watch like, Eagles. Watch me Eagles. And I'm never missing it. And it's going to be that good or bad. So everybody knows. And they're like, is it predictable? I would say, no, it's consistent. I think predictability is like something like I'm going to buy a woman I'm dating a rose every Friday. That's predictable. She can predict that. But consistency is being a consistent person. And that does come from discipline. Um, some of it does come naturally, I will admit. Um, but it also is a mindset that I have a goal. These small steps are going to help me reach that goal. I can't let anything get off, get me off of my square or get me off of my path for that goal. And I know that I'm not, and you're, you're, you're not going to like when I say this, because I know you and I know how you defend me. I don't think I'm talented. So I just have to outwork everybody. That's it. But that's how I feel about myself. So since I don't feel I have natural talent, I have to out consistency you and out discipline you in order to compete with you. So it's, it's, it's all of these things in the mind. And I tell people that when, and I have advice, you know, high schoolers, adults, that consistency is the key to every successful person. I, like, I don't know, some people may have, you know, like the richest people are the most successful singers and things. I say the one thing that they all have in common is consistency. Consistency is an ingredient in all success and all sustained success, I should say, sustained success. And consistency is just being okay with doing the same thing over and over that will lead to your success. It's like tying shoes. We do it every day, right? We don't think about it. We just do it every day. But tying the shoes leads to a successful day because now your shoe isn't falling off. Now you're not hurting yourself, spraining an ankle because you have a tied shoe. I know that sounds weird, but the consistency. So just like you're consistently tying your shoes every day, whatever it is is going to take for you to reach your goal. If that's working out, if that's saving money, if that is becoming a scholar, it's not about the end goal. It's about the process and the process is being consistent and the consistent will lead to discipline. I'm going to give you props for not just the consistency and the discipline, but also your ability to out analogy anybody, I think, across the board. Uh, I think it doesn't matter what it is. Somebody else provides an analogy. He's like, no, wrong analogy. The better analogy is A, B, or C, typically. I'm so bad. I need to stop. But yeah, I do that. Correct. <laughs> yes. So it, it's interesting to hear you say it that way because it almost seems like when you let's say now, whether it's a guy in the gym or a guy on the street or whatever, that you can tell you are probably, you probably have more consistency. You probably have no more discipline. Mm -hmm. I know you're competitive on the football field, but I don't know that you're 
an incredibly competitive person naturally, but what is it that still keeps you going then? Because you could probably look at six different guys, 10 different guys and be like, okay, well, I'm fitter in that way. I'm more educated in this way. Mm -hmm. And yet you still maintain that some level of discipline, even despite where you are now. If I stop, I will fall off. That is, that is what I believe. And I am not, like you said, I'm not competitive in life. Like I don't need a bigger house because my friend has a bigger house. I have a friend of mine. Um, you know him. He'll he'll remain nameless. My friend and my friend in Austin. Uh, he does very well. Owns his own business. All of that. He is younger than me by 10, 11 years. He is way more financially successful than I am. But I draw inspiration from him. I don't try to compete with him. Does that like they, like there's there's a difference? And I don't. I'm not jealous of his success. Um, I think it's awesome that he's successful, uh, but I'm not trying to compete with him. But I know that in order to keep what I have, I have to work really hard because I have to work really hard to get what I get, get what I have. So that's why I can stay consistent because I don't want to fall off and I don't want to fail me. It's my standard, which is good and bad. My standard helps me a lot. That's what the peer pressure doesn't work on me. But my standard has also um, led me to some therapy sessions with Courtney. And, and she's like, <laughs> why are you so hard on yourself? And I'm like, because my standard is different than everybody else's. So that's a part of it. But it's all a mindset. And if I'm in the gym, and even if I see a man who I'm in better shape than, I think that all he has to do is work out two days and he'll be in better shape than me. And if I stop working out for 30 minutes, I'll completely fall off. So it helps me stay consistent. Yeah. Interesting mindset. Maybe more to talk, more to talk to Courtney about there. Maybe a lot more. This is why therapy never ends. Yep, exactly. All right. So you just celebrated another birthday and I know that that's right. I wasn't going to reveal your age, but you did. It's a blessing. All right. So birthdays are a big deal to you. They always have been a big deal to you. And I know since Rob's passing the day after your birthday a number of years ago, that they're even more important to you. And you now take those not just as a celebratory time off, but also as a really reflective time. So can you share a little bit about, you know, what you reflected on this year Mm -hmm. and what you're looking forward to heading into year 42? Well, um 42 my Jackie Robinson years one of my friends said which was really cool um I I am now four years older than my brother was when he passed so I've outlived my brother about four years which is weird like that's strange it was seven years ago that he that he passed but that's strange that like that's hard like that's hard and he did pass the day after my birthday in 2016 so it is celebratory now the celebratory part is that God has given me another year. So it's really my new year. I don't really celebrate new year because it's not my new year. It's a new year. My new year is October 14th. Hey, so whatever, again, my own standard. And I spend that day doing what I like to do, but I really spend that day praising God um, because I'm still here and I actually like living. Living is sort of cool. It's a good thing. You know, <laughs> don't want to be on the other side. Um, even though the world is going crazy, I want to keep living. Um, so it's just praising. And I was talking to AJ and I was telling him that I believe God gets pleasure out of seeing his children happy. And I'm happy on that day and I'm I'm enjoying my life. And that's what I do. The reflective part is tough because um, it's not just Rob. 
Because when I think of Rob, I got to think of mom. When I think of mom, I got to think of dad. When I think of dad, I got to think of granny. And when I think of granny, I got to think of papa. And like, we can just keep going. And folks, I'm not making that up. I can name like 25 people. Like I could have just kept, and, and she's been, Katie's been with me through all of these and I could just keep rolling, right? So it's, it's really tough. And, but this year was grateful, thankful, even though all the pain, thankful for the time. You know, I got 35 years with my brother. You know, I got 39 with mom. You know, I got, you know, I got 34 with dad, with my stepdad, right? So it's just these, it's just these moments in thinking, you know, taking time to look in the rearview mirror of life and look at all the things that I've been through, all the things, all the places that I've come from. Um, of course, we want to live life by looking in the windshield, but looking in that rearview mirror is very important. And when you begin to reflect on the things of the past, the people of the past, um, my heart fills with joy and gratefulness that, you know, I've been through some tough things, but again, I've been through them. I'm not in them. And then the people along the way, it was better to have 35 years to rob than have none at all. It was better to have 39 with mom. It was better to have 34 with my stepdad. So I got that. At least I got something. And, and that's how I approach it. Makes sense. Well, you're talking about a lot of people who are really important to you, not just your family, um, but other folks in your life as well. So this is a throwback. Okay. So if you remember, if you remember this, or if it still holds true today. Okay. Um, you talked about relationships at one point mm -hmm. in four C's. Do you remember what they were? The four community, C's. Community. Community. Oh, yeah. Community. Church. church um crew and core. Yes. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. So what are those? And do, does that still hold true for you today? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Community is like, so I'll, I'll just take, I'll take my life, for example, and, and I work in a school. So community is, they're the, the teachers I work with. They're the students I teach. They're my community. I have some type of relationship with them. We are communal. We all, we share something. Um, we, we have a common uh, goal. We want the students to be successful. The students want us to be uh, want to be successful. Well, most of them, some of them don't, but you know, that's life. And there's a shared experience, but it's on the periphery, the, the peripheral, I'm sorry, of life, um, of, of like your real thing. And then you have your church. Your church is more um, people that know you a little bit better. Um, so I have some some friends that, I play basketball with, I'll go watch games with and things like that. We share some, a little bit more intimate, but not necessarily all the way intimate. Um, they can know some of the things I'm going through, but I would never cry on their shoulder. Then you got your crew. Crew, these are people you kick it with when it's time to, to have fun. Uh, they may know your mom and them, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they, they come over, they have your barbecues because you can't invite everybody to your house. Like that's not going to work, you know? So they're, they're a little bit more intimate. Um, you might even go on vacation as a group with the, with these individuals. Um, so that, that's your crew. And then you have your core and your core. These are the people that it, the, one of the, the colloquial terms, they're in the foxhole with you. These are the people that, you know, um, they're not there to bail you out of jail. They're in jail with you because they helped you bury the body. These are the people. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I love, I, I do have a, 
I do have a core and there you go. So yes, uh, I, I hope that helps you guys understand. Um, and I believe we all have those type of relationships, those larger global relationships, those relationships that are a little bit more intimate. You may share some beliefs, those people that are, that are your friends. Um, you, you, you rock with them a little bit. And then you got those people that when crap hits fan, these are the folks and that group is typically small. Yeah. And do you think people move in and out of those throughout the course of your life? Have they in your experience? Yes. Um, my core has pretty much been the same um, for, a, for a long time. I don't think my core changed. My crew changes oftentimes. Um, my, my, my core is pretty solid. Of course, my community changes depending on where I go. Like literally, like where I live changes my community. Um, even my church. Uh, when I say church, I don't mean religious space. I mean those people that are not only people I work with, but people that I have some conversations with that are a little deeper level. That changes. But I don't think my my, my crew changes some, but not much. But my core definitely does not change. Um, at least mine. Other people's do. Um, but yeah, it doesn't really doesn't really change much. And but I will say this about the about the the core. There were some people who I thought were in the core, but they were actually only crew members. I will say that. I misaligned those people. Or I misassigned those individuals. So there you go. Yep. Hard lessons to learn for sure. Yes. Hard lessons to learn. Yep. All right. The opposite of hard lessons to learn. Okay. You get to be king for a day. King? King, king for a day. You get to be king for a day. You get to make up any rules for humanity you want to, Ooh. but only in only in certain categories that I'm going to give you. We can talk oh. about some other after this. Okay. So I'm going to give you a category okay. and you can pick one rule that all of humanity has to follow in this one category. Okay. I'll give you okay. First, the first one. We've never had travel. this. Hold on a second. We've never had this type of conversation. Like, have we? I don't believe so. Well, I I, we've had enough of the conversations about the topics I'm going to give you. Okay. Fair enough. Let's go. All right. King for a day, you get to make up one rule for all of humanity as it pertains to air travel. Okay. See now, <laughs> and I only get one rule. One uh, rule. You can talk about all of them, but you got to pick one. Oh, okay. Um, one rule of air travel. Oh my! One rule. Oh my God! There's so many. Like like boarding and deboarding the plane. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing in the world. This is the slowest process ever. Short people who cannot put their bags in the overhead compartment. What are you doing? Uh, I know. Yes, you're one of them. Um, <laughs> Um, hairy people that sit next to me and their hair, their arm hair is touching my arms. That's gross. There's so many things. Um, I would say I would like, I, I would, since I'm the king, I would make boarding and deboarding the plane a more pleasurable process. That is the worst thing in travel. It is the worst. It is the absolute worst. And you know that it's the worst. You know that it is. It takes entirely too long. People don't know where their seats are. Um, and it's like, how do you not know where your seats are? It says it on the ticket. You know, like, like it, it literally says like 13F, go sit your booty in 13F. Like it's, it's so annoying, but yeah, that's what I would change in air travel. Yeah, see, yeah, I, I think God, I think God is giving you those chances for patience and you're like, no, I'm going <laughs> to change it if I were king. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right, second scenario, make up any rule for humanity. On living in your hometown. Don't do it. There it is. You're not <laughs> allowed. You are not allowed to live where either you were born or where you grew up most of your life. So for me, 
Alton, Illinois, Champaign, Illinois. I, I cannot live there. No. And I won't live there. Now, I'm <laughs> the king of my life. I'm not coming back. Like, I'm just not. So, and you know that. I'm not coming back. And yeah, so yeah, you can't. You have to go because you will grow. That That's it. They have to go because you'll grow. <laughs> yes. All right. Driving in Texas. Well, I mean, in Texas. Well, I mean, in general, turn your car, just turn. Like, do you have to stop your car to <laughs> turn? Like, is that a thing? I think most people feel like they have to stop their car. It's the most annoying. Turn your car, turn. For the love of Christ, turn. And let's see, they, but it's sort of turning. So maybe it's two rules. Turn your butt out of the fast lane into the slow lane. Get out of the way. It's like it's still turning. So all turning must be must happen faster. Like don't just ride <laughs> in the left lane. Turn yourself to the middle or the right lane and get out of the way. These are turn nice. and move. Turn and move faster is your rule. It's not yeah. what I would have expected you to say, but what, mostly what because expect? I think you dodged the rules. Well, no, I mean I think that's fair. I just think you merge the rules pretty well there into into one yes. that works. Still turning. It's turning. Yep. Yes. All right. Um, on answering yes or no questions, the proper way to answer a yes or no question. Answer the yes or no question with yes or no, then give your explanation. This is annoying. It like, like it's the most annoying thing ever. I asked you, do you want it or do you not? <laughs> this is a yes or no question. Well, I was thinking, and the other day I had one. I didn't ask any of that. I asked you <laughs> a yes or no question. Answer the question. Give me the answer, then the explanation. Because once you give me the answer, I don't really care about your explanation anyway. And I just put this one out. I got what I got, and I'm on my way. Thank you. Again, running to nowhere. I think for all the podcast listeners, this is the segment where you turn into the YouTube to watch your facial reactions right. when I ask the question. Yes, because I have a visceral reaction to people not answering my question. And you know what? I do ask a lot of yes or no questions. I ask a lot of them because that's all I really want to know. <laughs> Don't, they're right. Sometimes they're not even yes or no questions. Sometimes they're like one, two, three, or four. Pick your answer. Pick your answer. It, it's man. a very, Pick. yeah. Pick. You're not an essay kind of teacher. You're a you're a multiple choice. Yes, kind pick, of pick your answer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for part two of getting to know Rev on the next installment of the Revelations podcast. I'll see you guys next time. Peace.